Hey guys, this is our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you found us. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about following Jesus, loving God, and serving one another. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com or check out the Clemson Foothills Church YouTube channel. We love learning what God says to us in His Word, and we hope this podcast helps you to do that as well. With all that said, let's dive into the episode for this week. idea of renewal, um, there's something that we all have in common. In fact, there's a lot of things we've been talking about that hopefully we all realize no matter how old we are or where we come from, we actually do have in common with one another. All right. And one of them is this, okay, is that we have like barriers that are put up. There are these, there are these barriers to renewal. Okay. There are things that are like, as much as I want, I may think to myself, I need my faith renewed, right? You know, I, I need my love for people to be renewed. I need my ability, like that, my forgiveness towards people to be renewed. I need my joy to be renewed. And every one of us, we have kind of like the, a barrier, right? Where as much as we may even want it, we're going, we just keep bumping up against this, right? And they may just be just the way we think about things, right? There's a lot of things about this, but we all have this. We just think, man, it's just, it's, it's too high. This is too hard. I've been thinking this way too long, okay? But normally, this is what's important to know is most of the time when we've put up barriers, it actually, whether it's real or perceived or whatever, it's for protection in some way, all right? And so at some point, we started thinking in a certain way, okay, that all of a sudden, maybe it became something that wasn't the right way to be thinking about something, but it became this, this barrier, a normal way of thinking, but it was protecting us, right? It was, it was keeping us from things. It was protecting us if you've been hurt before. And, and, and again, here's the interesting thing. We're talking about things on a, on a level of like a 30-minute talk here. There's so much depth in these words, okay, because this is so important because here's the deal. Like when I was in ninth grade and my girlfriend broke up with me, that hurt, okay? Now you got to understand, I think everybody does, okay, is that that's a different kind of hurt than if you've been abused, right? And there's a lot of that going on in the world, right? That's happening more than we like to know. And here's the deal is when we're being hurt and, and whatever it is, it may be something like a little bit less. I don't know what yours might be or it's nothing at all. But the thing about this is we put up a barrier, we put up a, a, a kind of a protectiveness to keep us from getting hurt again, okay? And so here's the truth of the matter is, is there's a whole lot of us probably sitting in this room on campus in town that have been hurt, right? Some kind of maybe superficially, others like deeply, all right? And so again, we're not, we're not even saying that, um, man, there's these three things you can do and just magically be cured. Okay, that's, that's not what we're talking about. But we are saying, let's get an idea of these barriers, right? Maybe it's been I've been hurt. Maybe it's been I've been deceived, right? Have you ever been lied to before? Have you ever been lied to by somebody that's close to you? Have you ever been lied to, betrayed, something like that? Okay, then the barrier is going to come up, right? What's that barrier is I don't trust people, okay? And that's a huge one today, right? That, that's really, that's so big. That's such a barrier because here's the truth of the matter is, is that we don't trust one another any longer. You know, there was a time, long time ago, way before I was preaching, that there was like a couple of professions that got almost instant trust. 
doctors and ministers. Okay? Now, here's the interesting thing. That's not the case anymore. Well, why is that? Because we see what's going on in the world, right? We've seen how folks that have claimed to be preachers and ministers and different things have, have not been honest and they've been dece- de- deceptive and all these things. And so there is this, probably all of us come to the table with this when we're talking about discipleship. Is this idea of, I don't know, I don't know if I can trust that guy. Okay? Maybe you've been deceived. Maybe you've been left out, right? Might be one of those things. Whole life, been left out. There's this barrier. Of, I can't let that happen any longer. All right? Now understand, as we're identifying these things, okay, it's, it's that idea, it's in order to help us, not to sit there and go, man, that wall is so high. Right? That's so unachievable. That's so, like, I, I'm just seeing it, but I can't get, oh, right? We have to identify this thing first. Maybe you've been manipulated. Okay? So all of these things, they have something to do with our, um, our goal here, like our process of repentance and renewal. Okay? Remember, we talked about repentance. Uh, Patrick preached about repentance. And it's simply this idea of not how do I get myself out of God's doghouse so he'll like me again. It's the idea of how can I begin thinking the way he thinks about things? How can my mind change? Okay. And so you see all of these barriers and we're going, I don't know which one is yours. And you may even be writing down some things that are totally not up there. And they go, here, I, this is, these are the things that have happened. And it's kind of gotten into my thought process to where it keeps me from really digging in to let there be some spiritual renewal, right? So here's some good news, okay? These are just some really th- three really quick principles right here that God has said. You know, here's the great thing is, is God hasn't put us down on this earth and gone, man, <laughs> fend for yourself. Okay, <laughs> you know, he, he didn't just send you down there and go, man, y'all are going to mess up. Like uh, Mike said, we do things, we mess up things good. All right, if there's something we all would major in is that. We know how to mess up good things. Okay? But here's the great thing. Sometimes we don't even keep in mind that God has already like laid right in front of us some tools. Okay, and here's the deal is it's not so we can go and do this on our own. All right, that, that's something that we need to be very clear about. Okay. This isn't so we can go and renew ourselves. This is trusting that God and his Holy Spirit are going to renew us. But we've got to get out of the way. All right? We've we got to get out of the way. We have to. We, we've got to, to stop, like, squelching and quenching and, and, and stopping this from happening. Okay? All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be equipped for every good work. So starting out, here's really the beginning. Is the word of God useful in your life? And I don't mean just like every once in a while when you have a question about it, but this is like ongoing, like your word, right, goes with you beyond Sunday mornings, right? That this is useful for equipping us, all right? It's useful. We're going to see that the barriers come down with the Word of God. As, and you may think that's impossible, all right? That's absolutely impossible, but it absolutely isn't impossible, all right? Because here's the deal. If God is who He says He is, right? If, if God really was able to speak things into existence, if, if God really was able to come down in the flesh, if God was able to die and rise again, if He was able to do all of those things, right? 
It would be crazy to think that he couldn't transform us. That's like the easiest thing. That would be so easy compared to the others, right? And so we have this idea, and we're going to get into this more, but I do want to challenge you. If you have kind of a love-hate relationship with your Bible, right? If you have kind of like, man, I've never gotten into it, here's what I'll say. This can be kind of intimidating, okay, if you're not used to like digging through it, right? 66 books. You're like, where do you start? I remember the first time I bought my first Bible and I opened it up. I'm like, I don't even know. I don't know who this guy is. I don't know who this lady is. I don't know who all these things is, these people are, but I had to get help. All right. Again, that's what the community is for. We continue to do that. Um, But he's given us this. He's given us his word, right? Jesus said, I'm going to give my spirit to you. Okay. And, And now these are all things that you may have heard, I've heard your whole life growing up. Oh, no, 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 I get the Holy Spirit. No, I, I got you all that. But when you look at this, he said, no, no, no. Here's the deal. I'm going to give you a counselor to be with you forever. And he's not just going to be with you. He's going to be inside of you. All right. So, so that's the interesting thing. Mike, Mike uh, read in Acts chapter 2 this idea of the Holy Spirit coming and living inside of God's people. All right. Can you imagine... I think sometimes what we end up doing is we stop remembering that that's what's supposed to be happening. All right. We, we look at salvation process as like, let me just not be guilty for my sins. That, that gets us in trouble. Like, I don't want to go to hell. So let me just be forgiven. And we have like really fancy cliche sayings like he put, his blood paid it all. Of, of course it did. That's awesome. That sounds great, all right? But we make God out to be this guy. He's just like flex seal, okay? He's just like, there's, there's a leak. Let me put the flex seal up, right? There's, there's, a, there's a screen door. Let me spray some flex seal on it. And you can go and put a motor on it and drive it around. We, we look at it as, well, if you've got these sins and I need flex seal put on it, that's all God is, is useful for. And, and he's saying, no, man, here, here's the deal. When you want to become a disciple, he's saying, come on over here, okay? And I'm going to look you in the eye, and I'm going to put my Holy Spirit right in you. When you make me Lord, okay, you're going to go and die to yourself in baptism, come back. All right? And when you come out, it's like you have the Holy Spirit. What an amazing gift that I think we just kind of forget. Isn't it? Like, like we're supposed to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Unfortunately, that's another thing. I'm going to probably keep using Mike's analogy. We mess it up. We make the Holy Spirit out to be all kinds of craziness rather than, no, it's Jesus. It's not a different God. (laughs) It's Jesus in us. It's a counselor. He's not making you do weird things, right? It's just, it's right there inside of you, counseling, teaching, spurring on. He remains with you and will be in you. And then he gives us us. Right? This is what's great about renewal, about breaking down barriers. We need one another. We, we've got to have one another with this to encourage one another. Proverbs 27, here, here's the deal. He said, just like iron sharpens iron, that's how we're supposed to sharpen one another. And so just at the beginning here, I just want you to think, is this each day do you begin the day thinking, who will I sharpen today? I think it's too easy to think and even like come to church thinking, no, I'm going to be sharpened. Like, where can I go to be sharpened? And, and here's the deal. That's totally fine. We need that from one another, but we can't leave off that side of it. It's vital that me and you are sharpening one another. Who have you sharpened today? 
right? Who, who has just been on your mind, you've been praying about, and you've sharpened them spiritually somehow. And so here's what's really cool about this, is when you look out in a church, okay, in God's community, and here's what I always say, is, is the local church is truly where God is like getting things done, okay? It really isn't across websites and all these things. It's, it's the boots on the ground. It's a community of people that come together and say, he's Lord, what do you want us to do? We want to do what you want, right? And now here's the cool thing is, is in this community, this is supposed to just be spinning around like crazy. The Word of God, the Holy Spirit, relationships with one another to where, do you see why diversity is so important? Do you see that? (laughs) It's because without diversity, all of a sudden, if it's just everybody looks like you and sounds like you and makes the same kind of money as you, right? Then what ends up happening is we're just speaking the same language and you just get to be this like little, you know, like click instead of going, hold on a minute. Man, this should just be going on. So right within us, not just on Sundays, seven days a week. This is pretty cool to me because it makes me view my brothers and sisters differently. Right. It it gives me a different view. Like I'm going, man, it's not just it's not just Lucas. When I get together, with Lucas It's Lucas, who's been in the word all week and the Holy Spirit inside of him and his love for me and his love for God. And see, that's different than just a person. Right. And so when you're getting together with your groups, doesn't that change things? I mean, I'm not just getting together with people to eat. I'm not just going over to family group or campus diva or something. I'm going and interacting with people who they have been in interaction with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, and they too are loving God. I mean, that's a, that's a powerful community right there, okay? So again, all of these things to say the barriers, okay, and yours, however high they may be, Right? This is what I would tell you is just take a deep breath. Don't be discouraged, okay, because they come down little by little. And our goal isn't at the end of this lesson, they'll all be gone. That's not the goal, all right? Hopefully, we'll be able to look at some things that we can apply throughout the year, okay? So, again, we're back up at those stinky barriers, okay? What do we do with it? Here's one thing. And, and this, two, uh, two, a brother and a sister shared this with me separately this week in the fellowship was equal conversations. Stephanie was one, Tyler was another one. And both of them, and they didn't corroborate their stories or anything like that, but the conversation I had with both of them, they were sharing, they said, this is going on in my life. This is what goes on in my mind. This is what happens with my behavior. And it's not okay, but here's what I do. This is what the Bible says. And I keep telling myself, and I keep living it, and I keep every morning. Tyler was telling me, every morning I can get up and I read this one section, okay? And the thing about this is, man, that's applying truth liberally. The, the barriers come down when you apply truth liberally, all right? Not stingy, but liberally. And I, lo- I loved it. In the span of 24 hours, I got both of these, and it was so inspiring, right? It was, it was so inspiring because both Stephanie and Tyler were just like, man, this is just where I'm at. But man, I'm putting my foot down and the change is going to come. I'm going to be directed by the word of God. Okay. So remember when we're talking about these things, don't be stingy. Apply liberally, right? Apply truth regularly. All right. Sometimes, you know, you guys know to take this public service announcement. All right. When you get antibiotics, finish them. Y'all know that? <laughs> okay. I'm just saying that's free. You, you, preachers aren't telling people that enough, okay? But, but here's the deal. You finish all of them, 
okay? Here's why. Because when you just take an antibiotic, until you, fi- you still got bacteria inside of you, right? You got you to gotta finish it up because it keeps attacking it even when you think you're better, okay? Here's the thing. We do this with truth. We do this with a Bible study, right? We, we do this with, with our, we want like one thing and I'm done. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a verse. Okay, I said it in the morning and now Christianity didn't work. Oh, man, no, Keith, you don't understand. I've been praying about this so long. How long have you been praying for it? Three days, man. I'm like, you got to apply it liberally and regularly over and over again because it just may need more and more and more of the truth. Okay, so that's the practicality of where we're going with this. Okay, I reach out for your commands, which I love. That's what the writer's saying right here in Psalm 119. He's saying, I reach out to what you're writing, what you're telling me, God, and I love it, that I can meditate on your decrees. Psalm 1 says that you meditate day and night. All right, what does meditation mean? My favorite thing is just marinating. I love that, just marinating. It's not microwaving, it's marinating. Okay, there's a difference in the two, right? And so anyway, let's look at a couple things here. These are kind of general all right, we want to take a look at, hold on a minute, are there some things that maybe I'm not privy to, I'm not aware of, that are going on in my own life even? All right, and, and this is one of them. This could be like a major barrier. You, you may have been sitting in church your whole life thinking, this is the most boring thing in the world. I don't know why I'm here, except that I don't want to go to hell. And my mom told me to. Okay, and what ends up happening is, is, where you started, kind of like I said before, where you started and when you're 50 years older, not much is different. And what can end up happening is we lose the fear of God. Right. Now, let me tell you like a preacher's trick to this. We say fear of God, and I'm thinking, oh gosh, <laughs> nobody wants to hear that. And then I unteach it. Well, it doesn't really mean, it doesn't really mean, no, no, no. It actually means like you fear God. Like he is that powerful. Not fear him as a mean person, not fear him as a mean God, but but he has the power, authority, and right to do whatever he wants, however he wants to do it. And so if he were to decide right now, Keith, you're done, right? Hey, there's no argument with that. But here's what's interesting. This isn't just for like evil people, okay? This isn't like dastardly people, okay? This is just normal people who want to do good. And it kind of happened. The wall gets built over time. Gets built over time. What are some symptoms? You just have lost a conviction about sin, right? What does that mean? That means what do you put your foot down on? You say, no way, no more, nah, that's not happening in my life. All right, when we lose that deep conviction of, of righteousness, then really in a lot of ways we're saying, God, I'm not really I'm not scared of you. I know you tell us that there's an ethic to live. I know you tell us to follow your son. I won't do it. And what are you going to do about it? Right. You see how that kind of spins into this idea of like we've lost our fear of God, that we don't have the same conviction as our own like Messiah, our own king when it comes to sin. 
right? And so that's how you can live wherever you are. It's not just our country. It's every single country, right? You can live in that country as a Christian, and you're going, hold on a minute. How come this country can have a million people that say they're Christians, but the communities don't change, right? Because when the, when, when the fear of God is eroded, then we just are Christians nominally. It's just we say, that's what we are, right? Nothing really changes. What changes is, it, is when people come together and say, no more, right? And not no more, what's wrong with Tyler necessarily, but no more for me, like my deep conviction, okay? Like when it comes to impurity, immorality, when it comes to righteousness, when it comes to telling the truth or lying. And you guys know, right? I mean, I've shared with you, I mean, I've, all of these I have made bad choices in. Okay? And you get the taste of it and you're like, this is horrible. Right? Nobody should look at a disciple and say, man, he, why is he making those decisions? All right? We need to have a conviction, deep conviction for sin. But maybe you're going, my conviction has waned. All right? Maybe you, this, is what, what, this is one of the things that you hear oftentimes. Well, everyone does anyway. Like you can never stop sinning. You actually can. Okay? You actually can. All right? Now, now, if you're like, man, Keith said you can become Jesus and be completely without... Here's the deal. Um, there are going to be times that you're like, oh, man, I can't believe you said that. I need to repent. When we're talking about living in sin, you absolutely cannot live in sin. Right? Like, this actually can happen. And that goes right along with this idea of the symptom of just no obedience to God. Okay? What do I mean by that? Um, you know, when you're in the Word of God, when you're understanding something, and there's no plan to go, I, you all know what? I'm doing that wrong. That, that happens daily to me. That happens daily to you, to most of you, I would think. Is, man, I really messed up. I didn't do that right. Man, I, hold on a minute. How am I going to make, how am I going to think differently? Okay, you see, that, that's, that's a relationship. Because we're going, no, 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 this is God who loves me, and I love him, and man, there's this thing I learned about myself. And, and oftentimes this doesn't even get talked about outside of like a church service about this idea of, man, I, I need to get better at this. I need to learn to obey God in these areas, right? It may be just obeying in how I speak, right? It may just be obeying in how I listen. It may be, it can be any number of things, right? And before we jump on to that verse right there, the, the pink line right there, okay? This is a big one. This, I don't know. Like I said, I mean, I'm not. Here's what I know is for us in the Bible Belt of America, this is probably one of the greatest barriers we face, which is I'm just relying on my spiritual pedigree. I'm good, and my parents were Christians. It doesn't work that way. We've treated Christianity in a way that it's like almost like a nationalism from a standpoint of you're born into it, <laughs> right? Like, like I'm American because I was born in California, right? Because I was born in California to a family that had some Christian principles didn't make me a Christian. It didn't automatically zap me into Christianity. I didn't do any of those things. And so I really encourage you to take a strong look. This may be the scariest barrier to see. Okay? It, this, it's just scary. 
Okay, I, I grew up, like I said, I was part of a, of a church that I just kind of went to. Like 22 years. Just kind of went to it. Went through the motions, you know. I, was, man, I did the same thing every other college student did. And then I realized something. Hold on a minute. There was never a time that I put my foot down and said, Jesus, you're Lord of my life. Like, I am going to die to you. I am going to follow you. There's, I just was born into the faith, right? That's not real. You can't be born into the faith, right? We can't rely on our spiritual pedigree. This happens even like a number of you guys have grown up in churches that we have relationship with around, you know, the U.S. And this is becoming like an epidemic spiritually is, man, I grew up in a church that really taught people how to learn their Bible and wasn't just telling them what to do, but was really teaching biblically and, and allowing you to like learn and because of that, I'm okay. All right? And, and, and here's what I'm seeing from my friends who are leading churches at different places is 15-year-olds and 18-year-olds and 20-year-olds and 22- and 25-year-olds, and their spiritual life goes from here just down, 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 down. And all along the way, what gives them hope is, but I go to this church. <laughs> but I go to this church, and this church teaches the right thing. That's not okay. Right? That, that, that isn't okay. We can't rely on our spiritual pedigree. What's the truth you can apply liberally? Here's what I would encourage you to do. Okay, we have a short period of time here. So uh, I, I would encourage you to even get together with somebody and look up. I just put one verse up here. And what I mean by applying truth liberally is this idea of, man, I, this is going to be on my mind constantly. All right, there, there's a thousand other verses. But if I'm really struggling with the fear of God, that I am just like, do I think that God isn't going to answer that prayer if I ask it? I want to fear you more. Okay? And so it's this idea of, am I willing to apply the truth liberally to this barrier? Am I willing? Because this is the root issue, right? It's just lowering this wall down so God can get in there and start renewing and start teaching us what we need to learn. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. And I mean, really fear your... Here, here's the thing that I, that I know, and this is one of the things I've learned, is some of the most joyful people I know have the deepest sense of a fear of God. Isn't that strange? Should it be that way? <laughs> Isn't that weird how that is? Like you see, you know, you see brothers and sisters that are living in third world countries in poverty and they're the most joyful and they're giving the most to their neighbors. You go, hold on a minute. What is it about that? It's about their king. Right? That, that's the thing. So it's not fearing the meanness of God, but the awesomeness of God. Anybody here, anybody here a people pleaser? <laughs> Good one. That's all, right. I used to be. But that, that's the truth, right? But here might be the thing. I'm scared to death of people. Uh, again, probably all of us having this in common here. What are some symptoms? Just give in to peer pressure, right? It's just the group around me. Like I just conform to the group around me, right? Um, I, I'm scared to death to be rejected, 
Like, man, that would be the worst thing in the world, okay? I, I cannot think of one thought as a college student and as a teenager that went through my mind more than anything. If I didn't want to be rejected, and what are they thinking about me? That, I mean, that was like consistently running through my mind, okay? And so you can see how this can become a barrier when, when God is like, come on, Keith, come out of your comfort zone over here. Come on, step out. Come on, you're, you're going to, and, and I'm going, hold on a minute, what's everybody thinking now? And uh, they're not going to like me anymore if I do this, right? Fear a man. Walking on eggshells, what are they thinking? What's the truth? I like this one, Proverbs 29. The fear of man is a snare, but the one who trusts in the Lord is protected. Okay, here's what I love about this. Okay, don't, don't, you just write it down one time, you're like, oh, okay, that's cool, what's the big deal? But when we start like meditating on this constantly, we start questioning ourselves. Do I really believe this? That's a good thing, okay? I'm not saying that's a bad thing. We start questioning, hold on a minute, trust in the Lord is protected. Really? No, I don't know. Yeah. And see, all of a sudden, it starts like working at you. The more you stay at it, the more it starts going, hold on a minute, wow, do I really believe that the fear of man is a snare, it's a trap? Right? The more we apply truth, the more we start like, oh man, now I'm kind of questioning, do I believe this? How can I believe this? How can I apply this to my life? Right? This is regular, liberal application of the truth. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They'll be like a tree planted by the water, that sends out, send out its roots by the stream. It doesn't fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Okay, if you are a, like an image, like picture person in your mind, this is my jam right here. All right, if you can illustrate something where I have a picture in my head, I'm going, you know what? I can picture that tree, and I'm going, that's what I want to be like. Drought, I'm not worried. Something goes on, I'm not worried. Why? When you trust in the Lord and your confidence is in Him, right? By streams of water, I'm going, I get that. I see what that is, right? But if I'm scared of people and what they're going to say, and my friends and what they're going to say. And my parents, I remember when I told my parents, you know, one of the things I came to the conclusion of in my life, I was like, hey, man, I am not a Christian. <laughs> okay, I'm like 23 years old, like professionally going to church every week, trying to be a good guy, although I was doing the complete opposite. And so I called up my parents and I remember thinking, they're going to be so happy to hear this. <laughs> I, my mom is going to be blown away because I, I love my mom. Like, I'm a mama's boy, man. I want to make my mom happy. And I'm going, I am going to call my mom, and I'm going to tell her she's going to go, finally, my son has seen the light, <laughs> right? Finally, he's making some changes in his life. I said, Mom, listen, here's what's going on in my life. Man, I got to repent. I got to be baptized. I got to be a disciple. She got so angry with me. <laughs> so Tyler knows, right? And now here's the deal. My mom will be here in a week. You can ask her this question, okay? You can ask her, were you really this angry? She was furious. Like, she was like, you don't understand, son. You have betrayed our family. You have betrayed, like, man, I felt like I, you know, was Benedict Arnold, man. Like I was going against the nation. And it became so difficult. And that was my thing. I had to go, am I, am I going to be scared of my parents? Or am I going to be, now, now here's the thing is, um, 
you have to think through these things, okay? Because there are, there are people that try to get you to do things that you shouldn't do, <laughs> okay? I, I'm not telling you that I had some kind of emotional experience and just jumped off the cliff, okay? But this idea of coming to studying the Bible and knowing absolutely this has to happen in my life, okay? And, and calling up, and what was really interesting is, I don't even know, so, was 90, so like five years later when my parents moved out to Florida with us, well, both of my parents said the same exact thing. They're going, oh my goodness, we, we had never followed Jesus the way the Bible teaches. We just did it like how our community told us to do it, right? And I'm going, oh, thank God, thank God that not just, that God used people in my life who weren't scared of man. Thank God for that, man. This is a close relative of that last one. It's a close relative. That I need people more than I love them. Right? I need them more than I love them. What's the symptom? I use people for security, identity, to avoid loneliness. Right? You may have some relationships in your life. They're only there so you're not lonely. That's it. Right? They're only there for security. Maybe it's identity, right? This can be in a lot of different ways. The identity can be, you know, anything from, from uh, you know, just your family, but also like we have military service, right? Like, you know, I shared with you guys a couple weeks ago when I went and did my ruck. And it's interesting because you talk to these guys who are like special forces guys, you know, and they're like, listen, I'm a ranger for life. I'm going, no, actually, if you want to follow Jesus, you can't be. Your identity can't come from your group. Okay? But if we need people more than we love them, we'll never leave a group. Because they give us security and identity, right? And there are so many different groups. And, and you, you're the only one that knows this. Like, man, I'm a part of this for no other reason other than I'm scared to be alone. If I didn't have these people in my life, I would be super insecure. Right? If I didn't have these people in my life... Man, what would people say about me? I'd be a loser. Proverbs 3. A lot of Proverbs here. What's the truth you can apply liberally? This right here. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't rely on your own understanding. Think about him in all your ways and he will guide you in right paths. So, So here's the trick to all of this, though, is none of this stuff is simple. Most of it is scary, (laughs) all right? Most of this is really tough, but that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where it really comes down to, where this idea of of following Jesus really comes down to, do do we trust him or don't we trust him? It's not walking down the middle. It's like, this is scary. He says this, the world says this, right? He says, man, Keith, the world is telling me you're going to be a loser. No one's going to love you and you're going to be alone. And God is telling me, trust me, put your confidence in me, and I got you. That's faith right there. Which direction will I go? It can't be both. Right? And so as we're looking at these verses, this idea of, man, if, if wherever I am, the world is telling us one thing, God is telling us another, God's way is probably scaring us to death. And he's going, but this is how you trust me. And when, here's the interesting thing. I'll go this far. I will say probably 100% of people that have ever like really just, you know, you step off the cliff, boom, and you're good. You want to know what? 
you are spiritually exhilarated. It's amazing what trusting God really brings to people, right? Is this idea of not more fear, but more courage, right? Which is great. But here's the thing is, we won't ever know it if you don't do it. That's the thing is, you just can't learn it from a book. Speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, which is Christ. So that may be the thing. There may be some people in your life that you need to tell the truth to, and you're not. Because you need them more than you love them. Okay. And it's saying, hold on a minute. How we grow is by speaking the truth in love to one another. These are all closely related. We're going to finish with this one, okay? Oh, man, how many of these are there? I share with Abby how many I have, and she was like, I'm waving you off, Maverick. You know, you gotta, the pattern's full. You can't keep going, dude. Okay, so, but here's the deal is seeking comfort over truth, right? Just seeking comfort over truth. All right, here, here's one of the symptoms, big symptoms. I equate the more people doing something with its rightness. Well, man, there's all kinds of people doing this. It must be right. Or, you know, whatever. It keeps us from having to leave our comfort zone. Right? I don't want to be the guy that has to step out. Right? No, no, no. This group is huge. They're the ones, right? Itching ears, easy preaching, low standard, no sacrifice, part-time commitment. Right? Is this idea of going, man, I like comfort over truth. Don't challenge me. Don't make me question things that I don't want to question, right? Don't make me, I'll go find somebody that'll tell me exactly what I want to hear, right? This is a huge barrier, okay? This is is a huge barrier because as disciples, we come in as students going, listen, I need, you've got to tell me what I need to hear. I need that in my life every single day. I got to have people in my life every single day that they're not like lowering the standard for me. All right. Seeking comfort over truth. We used this last week, 2 Timothy 4, verse 5. It says there's a time, essentially, there just comes a time. Paul writes to Timothy here. When, when, when people won't put up with sound doctrine, but according to their desires, will multiply teachers to tell them what their itching ears want to hear. That word doctrine is really interesting. Again, I'm going to go back to Mike, how we mess things up, (laughs) right? We take things and fight about them among churches that are so, and you want to know what ends up happening is, is, is everybody kind of has their own playbook that they go by. Oh, no, 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 this is us right here. Oh, no, 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 this is us over here. And everybody's got their own playbook, and we think that's doctrine. And, And we forget that the best way to understand this is if this book was plopped right in front of you and you never heard a word before, ever, and you read it, even if you just read the New Testament, would you walk away and go, man, you know what we should really be talking a lot about? Predestination. 
Man, I can't even go on the internet without seeing things like that. You know what we should really be talking about? We should really be talking. I'm going, no, 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 I read this and I start talking about, we should really be talking about lordship and the kingdom of God and him being my king and being ministers of reconciliation. I see that over and over and over again, right? Do you think that I would open it up and go, man, you know what the church should be doing all the time? Arguing about men's and women's roles. Because there's three verses about it in the whole New Testament. Right? And so you read it, but that's what we do as churches. Right? We take this and say, this is our pet thing, instead of going, no, this is the thing. Right? When we read it and it says, no, this is how it is. Good, bad, and ugly. This is what the church will do. That's a good thing. Because it's going to challenge us. Right? Five more to go. No, I'm kidding. So I don't know how many people are in here. I'm, I'm way getting old enough to just exceed everybody's entertainment choices. Okay, so I don't know how many of you in here ever watch the show The West Wing. Okay, if you haven't, great. That's awesome. All right, because I'm going to quote something and you're going to go, that was from The West Wing. No, no, no. John F. Kennedy actually quoted this. Okay, and other people before him. This is a really cool story, okay? And, it, and again, it's dated. And essentially this story is told, John F. Kennedy told it from a standpoint of the space race. Like, why should we be going into outer space? Why should we be trying to, like, breach that barrier of earth and space? Why should we be doing that? And he said that he was told a story that his father told him as a child. And he said it was this story about this group of schoolboys and they were walking through this country meadow and they come upon this big stone wall and the stone wall was too high to get over. Like they couldn't even help each other to get over it necessarily. It was too high. And one of the boys, because they're all wearing hats, threw their hat over the wall. And they all said, well, now we have to go get it. Okay, and you're going, that's dumb. Who would throw their hat over that wall? But here's the deal. This is what we need to do with this right, is go up to the barrier and throw your hat over the wall and go, now I have to get over this, all right? I've got to get that thing I threw on the other side, all right? I have to do this. I just threw something over. Now we don't have a choice. This, this is what we're talking about here, not just kind of going up and feeling the barrier, this kind of getting in the way and going on our way. We're going, I won't quit. Right? I'm not going to quit this.